Armstrong and Getty. Why are you here today? We choose truth over facts. I, I don't understand what you're saying. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. All right, go, go. Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourself. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I assume that if we give you a state of permanent happiness, we can count on you to consider us your favorite morning show from here on out. That seems like a fair bargain. Uh, but before we get to that, oh, we've got a uh, dairy princess coming in studio next hour because it's National Butter Day. So stay tuned for that. Us And I'm told she's going to churn butter? Why would you stay tuned for us eating butter? I'm not exactly sure why. Huh. I'm looking forward to it. How many of you have ever uh, never had fresh-made butter? Never I'm had not, it. I'm not sure I have. So or it's been years. Nobody but me, having grown up in Wisconsin, has had fresh-made butter. You're really going to enjoy it. Of course, Marshall has, cause, just because it was the only thing optional. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Back in the day. Any chance the Dairy Princess has some goats? I'm going to ask. We can do a little yoga. Prior, prioritize these three things. It will improve your life, maybe even save it. They've crunched the numbers. Smoking, drinking, exercise, heart problems are not predictors of a person's longevity. They play roles, but you can't predict anything from those. Wow. Whereas a person's close relationships and social integration do predict longevity. Mm. There's a correlation. That's what psychologist Steven Pinker has discovered in researching the impact that our human connections have on all aspects of our well-being. So this is one of the three important things we need to do. Um, Those with intimacy in their lives, those with support systems and frequent face-to-face interactions, not only are physically and emotionally healthier, they live longer. So think about that right now. Do you have those? Good. If you don't, you'll be dead soon. (laughs) And you're unhappy right now anyway. Seek them out. Make it a priority. It's why women who tend to prioritize spending time with friends more than men live an average of six years longer. Did you know that? Women who prioritize spending time with friends as opposed to a dude. Yeah. Interesting. Live six years longer. Hanging out with dudes will kill you. And by the way, it's not enough to text or email in terms of having these social connections. The actual health benefits of socializing are only achieved through person-to-person contact. Face-to-face contact releases a whole cascade of neurotransmitters, and it's like a vaccine that protects you today and into the future against all kinds of different things, aging, diseases, etc. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Contact with other humans. So that's one of the three main things for being happy. So, you know. I don't know if you're going to change anything about that. But. Those of us who are a tad misanthropic, I know Thomas Jefferson wrote quite eloquently that his natural tendency was to isolate himself, but it made him miserable and weird and hostile, so he forced himself to uh, have social engagements. Although if you have a family, you have a certain amount of human contact that is you know built in, right? obviously, as sure. opposed to if you're going home to a house or apartment alone. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing when to turn off your smartphone enriches your life. They uh, Never. Has, there, I know. <laughs> as we just discovered, the uh, face-to-face contact with human beings has all kinds of benefits. You don't get that through the online stuff. Um, people who spend time on social networks, dating apps, online news sites report being less happy. The technology has taken away what they call our stopping cues. Most of the things that we've done for pleasure throughout history, like reading a book or watching a movie, they had an end. But scrolling on the phone is endless. Wow. And apparently we don't know when to stop doing that. Wow, yeah. I mean, even if you're a glutton, at some point you can't eat anymore. Right. As recently as 2007, technology took up a tiny sliver of our personal time, 
as of now, it takes up almost all of our personal time on average. Isn't that something? Wow. Went from almost a tiny bit in 2007 to almost all of our personal time now. Uh, those who did set finite rules for the technology use, like never using it at dinner or putting it on airplane mode when you're out on the weekends, are able to enjoy life more. Life becomes more colorful, richer. You have better conversations. You connect with people, blah, blah, blah. You know, my uh, my youngster was talking the other day about how few of her friends have family dinner as a priority. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Um, that's always been a big thing at our place. I mean, dinner it, table events. That's right, Mitt. Sometimes it can be really difficult with people's schedules, but essentially the rule is every night we're going to try unless somebody has a specific commitment otherwise. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly, I and mean, we do that and no too. No phones at the table. We do that too, just because, you know, I think because I grew up that way. But, um, like, I no talking on the phone, and you can still have your phone there and like check Twitter and stuff. Or? <laughs> no way! I see that thing; it's going in the oven. Um, but going I, in the microwave. I've Science known, lesson, kids. I have known. I remember when I'd be around friends when I got older, and I'd be so shocked to see this. There was no expectation of people eating together. You just, when you got hungry, you went to the fridge and got something to eat. And mm. Dad might be eating over here, and Mom might eat later, and it just—it's a little thing called freedom. There was no expectation of getting together to eat which was foreign to me. But I think it's very interesting, and, you know, you can disagree with this and do whatever you want, which is the great thing about being a human being in America. But uh, that the idea that any of this stuff online does not mean you have social connections. All of this Instagramming, Facebooking, all that sort of stuff does not give you any of the benefit of social interaction. Right. I well, think, it's I think an amusement. People, yeah, it's an, yeah, only an amusement. And the tricky part of it is it very much feels like it scratches that yeah. itch. Sure. It feels like it fills that void. But it lures it's, you. It's just a, it's a very different kind of thing to right. your being to actually look somebody in the eye and have those right. same conversations. I've, I've been referring to it as empty calories for yeah. uh, quite some time. Yes, Michael? I was just saying it mimics the experience, and a lot of people say, hey, it's good enough, it's close enough. Yeah. I can see how that Well, they'll die miserable and alone, Michael. Is and, that good enough? And here's, is it? Here's the final of the three. Okay. And this is something that uh, thinkers, religious people, philosophers have known forever, yet everyone continues to ignore it. Chasing meaning, not happiness, is what really matters. The quest for happiness does not make you happy. Constantly evaluating your own happiness is actually contributing to feelings of hopelessness and depression. Happiness is a fickle emotion, fleeting, based on a moment or an experience. The only thing that really makes us uh, happy is uh, having meaning. There's actually a couple of things that fit in with that. Four forms of meaning. Belonging, purpose, transcendence, and storytelling. Transcendence is uh, uh, something that gets you out of just thinking about your own life. Mm-hmm. Anything that's that. Um. Once again, having a family forces you into some of those, anyway. A lot of the way we used to structure society, for instance, fill these three things, just automatically did. Right. And then we abandoned them because we're smarter, I guess, than all of human history. Well, yeah, or just had the ability to fulfill all our desires, so went ahead. And or we're dancing at the end of the strings of various electronics companies <laughs> that are making enormous profits. But I really liked that sentence. Happiness is a fickle emotion, fleeting, based on a moment or experience. Mm. It doesn't actually make you happier. What was that list with the transcendence and storytelling? And These are the four things that give your life meaning. Belonging. Yeah. Belonging, okay. Having a 
You know, okay. Purpose. Yes. Transcendence and storytelling. Yeah, that, that last one's interesting. Yeah, I don't quite understand it. I'm there sorry. There was a man from Nantucket. I don't quite understand the storytelling that's a, part. That's the start of a limerick, not necessarily a storytelling. But no, I, I think the storytelling aspect is how it's one of the, the greatest divides between us and, and other beasts, right? It's our, it's our ability to communicate. Well, I was laying in my doghouse today licking my genitals. Yes. And then, uh, <laughs> You're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> Fly flew in the swat <laughs> But it's the, it's our abilities to tell stories, to teach lessons, and and pass on knowledge that right. is it is very fascinating. And obviously, it fits in with the face to face contact and the human interaction. They all they all and three belonging. of these kind of yeah, yeah, all three of these kind of fit together. Yeah. So there you go. Live long and prosper with huh. that knowledge, or be made extra miserable by the knowledge that you're not doing those things. But that's a motivator. That's the sort of unhappiness that leads to happiness, unless you seek happiness. Then you're screwed. Seeking happiness is a... Well, the kind of happiness people generally talk about in the 21st century is just a waste of time. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Three, two, one. Some things change. Some remain the same. A world record. Seventy-five. So that was from the hot dog eating contest on Fourth of July. A family tradition of my house to watch that on ESPN. George Shea, former friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, former, mentioning it the winning seventy-five hot dogs. He was brilliant as always in his introductions oh, and uh, his ability everything. to commit to uh, whatever event he is currently participating in is awesome. It was absolutely fantastic. But uh, anyway, here's Joey Chestnut after setting a new world record of seventy-five dogs. It was—I I knew I was fast in the beginning. It was like blistering speed, and uh, the the dogs were cooked really well today. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it kind of minute like six is where, where I really missed the crowd because they, they they're pumped up. And uh, I, I hit a wall, and it took me a, a little bit more work to get through it. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is a crazy year, and I'm happy I was able to get a record. With a couple minutes to go, he was on pace to hit 100. Oh, no. Yeah. No. And then he just kind of stopped, and his eyes got buggy. <laughs> yeah, as like, they would. <laughs> if If I am in the competitive <laughs> eating circuit, and somehow in the back of my mind I know my max is 100 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It is beneficial to my career to break my record 10 consecutive years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Than to just set the benchmark you know something what? I can never top. You're right. absolutely right, because he always breaks it by, like, a dog yeah. or two. Yeah. Although, so, yeah, from that... an old athlete, Sean, you never know when injury is going to jump up and get you and your career but is over. But, yeah, he, yeah, his, he makes his money by being a draw at whatever state fair or county fair he goes to. <laughs> and if he just blows it out of the water right away, then... It would be no fun to go watch him eat 80 after he ate 100. In fact, that Lost you'd, step. you'd feel like he got let down. The perception that he's on the decline, too. Yeah. As lunatic as that is, eating 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes would be like lifting a million pounds <laughs> for the average person or running a marathon in five minutes. Running uh, a thousand miles an hour. Right. I mean, it's so beyond. Oh, yeah. It's so, incomprehensible. So they went back. They've been doing this for 100 some years, going back to the 1800s. And like the first. Really? The, yeah, and the first record was like four. So, um, in the so here's your average winning. You want it? Yeah, here's your average winning numbers by decade. In the seventies, the average winning 
person ate 10. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I couldn't eat 10 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Not a chance. Not a chance. Nope. I could eat 10 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's what I'm telling I, you. It's I like don't... lifting a million pounds. <laughs> I couldn't eat a hot dog a minute for 10 minutes. No. And then it went up very slowly. In the 80s, it rose clear up to 12. <laughs> in the 90s, it was at 19, which is, you know, getting up there. But then Kobayashi came on the scene in the oh, 2000s. The great Kobayashi. It went up to 51. Man. In the 10s, it was 66. And I imagine for this decade, it'll be in the 70s. Wow. He's practically playing a new game. He like, is he, playing he, a new game. Oh, my goodness. The the jump from, what was that, 12 to 50? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's Kobayashi. Um, so now they have a, this is probably way too much talk about eating, hot dog eating. Contest, I don't know. But We've they, come this far. But they now have a female, <laughs> because they used to have the men and women eat together. And it was yes. kind of... Okay, the dudes are here, and you're eating your. It's unfair. You're eating your twin. Right. But now they have a separate division, so they had the women's first, which I thought was a better way to do it. And have they dealt with the old transgender question. And, <laughs> but they so they had the women's first, and they kind of make it Joey Chestnut and this woman whose name I don't remember. It's like being champion of the WNBA. Nikki Sudo. Okay. Anyway, so they're like the co-champions. You got a man, the woman. So it's a good idea to broaden the appeal and everything. Sure. Like. But yeah. she ate thirty. Why can a guy eat 45 more hot dogs than the best woman in the world? How can there be a woman who eats 30? Marry that woman. Oh, she's a keeper. She is a keeper. Of course, as I pointed out to my family, the second place to Joey Chestnut was like 45. So, I mean... There, there's only one Joey Chestnut. You eliminate him, and it goes way down. Right. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Hey, go ahead and play clip number six, would you, Sean? This is the uh, new female champion. I've just been told in my ear that 48 and a half was the official oh, total. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm sure the physical effects will kick in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, where was the one where they, they like, uh, act as if it's a real sport, Sean? I love that clip. Man, Ch- Joey Chestnut it was, it didn't look like he was going to make it because he was at, the record was 74 and he was at like 72 and they're like counting on 10, 9, 8. And he's got two in his hands. He's like looking at him and he just shoves them off. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the bell rang, he had to, I don't know if you've ever eaten too fast or drank too much or whatever. He put his hands on the table. And kind of was like taking breaths and had a look on his face like, you know, when you got to really talk yourself out of upchucking. Oh, like He boy. was really working to keep her under control. That's called a reversal of fortune in yeah. the uh, competitive eating yeah. world. Do you have that clip I was looking at? Five, four, three, two, one, go! And we are, and we are underway. The 2020 men's division of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's been it's been something else to get this off the ground, and I hope that uh, MLE's been able to help our peers across the sports vertical, MLB, NFL, show them the way that you can have live sports here, and we all got to figure it out. <laughs> Competitive hot dog eating <laughs> just declared itself not only a peer of, but really a leader of. <laughs> across the sports vertical. A mentor for the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. That's beautiful. <laughs> Well, taking it seriously is part of the charm of the whole thing. Acting like it's very important. That 400-pound rapper that's in it every year, he doesn't even come close to eating that many. Yeah, so being yeah. big has nothing to do no, with this, it. The, the female champion, Mickey Sudo, she's just barely over 100 pounds. Wow, amazing. Well, she was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, breaking news, breaking news. Oh we have breaking news. This is breaking news. This is breaking news. Hey, breaking news. <laughs> 
Vacation is over, all right? He's still rattled from all the fireworks yeah. over the fourth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, our yeah. breaking news donkey. Very sensitive. Yeah, well, he's got those huge ears. Anyway, oh, uh, the, the, the great, and I mean this, the great, Charlie Daniels has passed. Oh. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He actually had a long career. Great songs. He's a whale of a musician. Uh, but he's passed. It's a shame. He'll be missed. I'll have to tell my son that. I was really hoping to get out to, because uh, he played, he was playing locally regularly. Like Tahoe area. Oh, really? And I know m- m- my youngest especially would have loved to see him sing Devil oh. Went Down to Georgia Live. He would have just yeah. been blown away by that. Yeah. Uh, 83 years old. That's not that old. No. Who was I? I read uh, too many rock star autobiographies, although I enjoy them. Uh, enjoy them. Who was I? Re- it might have been Keith Richards. I, one of your like giants of rock was talking about playing with Charlie Daniels when he was a country guitar player and a rock and roll guitar player. Just how talented he was and what a solid musician he was. Oh, I know Glenn Campbell thought super highly of him, just for instance. And Glenn's a hell of a picker. Kind of like was. an old blue tick hound. I like to lay around in the shade. I Ooh. may not have much money, but I damn sure got it made. Nice. And I ain't asking nobody for nothing. Mm. You leave this long-haired country boy alone. Which mm. talks about smoking dope. Oh, my. And drinking beer. Oh, I don't approve of that. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Sean left his house yesterday, as he uh, as he told us. He rarely does and played golf. Yeah, uh, my friend's done a really good job, particularly of late, of uh, just kind of being a little pebble in my shoe to, hey, let's, <laughs> you know, break break the confines of your, uh, your one-bedroom apartment. Let's go outside, maybe have some discussions that aren't via text, and uh, he's been dragging me out to, to play golf. He's and, a good man. Yeah, yeah. Great, I like the cut friend. of his jib. Great friend. Um, and uh, went out to uh, a course and uh, played nine holes because, one, that's plenty of golf for me. And uh, I've always felt that way. I never thought eighteen was the right number. Like, 11, I thought seven was the right number for eleven golf. to twelve. I think is what I what I would consider like a peak round of is golf. Is there anybody that does that, George? Are there people that like are into a certain number of holes? Uh, just for playing other golf, other than nine or eighteen? Yeah. No. 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 It'd be weird. Partly because you would end probably very far away from the clubhouse. <laughs> I'm done now, and I gotta walk a mile back. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they aren't really charging per hole either once you, right. you can't play 15 without paying for 18. Man, I used to routinely play 36 holes. Wow. All the time. That's a lot of golf. Uh, part yeah. of it is I am at the skill level where a normal round of 18 holes is probably somewhere close to the total number of shots Joe would take in, I don't know, 30 holes. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Not uh, to mention the frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a big part because as is the, the point of my story, golf is a cursed game. Sure. I, I don't, it is some combination. I know skill is involved somewhere, but there is a, a much larger impact of uh, what I will call voodoo and witchcraft involved in golf. That I like. You know, I, I'll take a swing. What I feel like is the same swing that I've taken hundreds of times, and all of a sudden the ball just shoots off at a forty-five degree angle. What? What yeah. happened there? And I, I maybe I need to hire a film crew so I can get some instant replay swing analysis going and figure out what I did wrong. And that but, uh, that actually does help. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah, um, I uh, I actually take lessons occasionally from a guy who's. Who, who, you still ex- take lessons oh, as much as you play? Of course, yeah. Oh, wow. Tiger Woods takes lessons. You know. Dang, yeah. Um, but he he has a couple, I believe, a couple of former Major League Baseball players who are his uh, students as well. And they are astounded at how hard it is. And he tells them, look, if your club face is one degree open, 
on a, you know, X hundred yard shot, you know, whatever, you're going to miss your target by 25 yards. Yeah. One degree. Hard game, humbling. I've often said when I was 12 years old, I was sitting in my room. I was trying to decide, should I become a golfer or a heroin addict? <laughs> and I made the wrong choice. <laughs> I made the more expensive and unhealthy choice. I was just trying to think, what's the worst shot I've ever made? I've had, I've had, I've had, a couple of times I've had a shot where I hit something and it ends up behind me. Okay. So I actually would have been <laughs> pretty bad. I actually would have been much better off had I not swung at all. I've, I've hit more than one house in one of those developments that the houses are awfully close to the yeah. golf course. That's a bad feeling. I don't um, know the physics of a tree, but it seems like it's mostly air and leaves. Yet somehow, if my ball right. gets anywhere close to a tree, yeah. it just gets snatched and dropped directly at the base of the trunk. <laughs> Those are the evil monkeys that inhabit every tree on every golf course. Stupid evil, about, invisible monkeys. Have you ever had a shot sail into a, like the, the parking lot area and you hear the unmistakable sound of a golf ball on a car? How about <laughs> on a major thoroughfare next to the golf course? Yeah, I think I've done that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I, I'm pretty sure I broke a windshield once. Oof. Yeah. And that's not good. I was not proud of that. I've never hit any human with my golf ball. I have been hit at least half a dozen times. And it hurts. Oh, it hurts yeah. every bit as much as you think it It's might. amazing more people aren't really damaged by that. Yeah, I had a friend who was almost killed about uh, four or five months ago. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah. And some of the public Terrible. courses that are essentially just runways going back and forth against oh, each other, you're, right. you're in a crossfire of amateur golfers. <laughs> oh, yeah, balls flying everywhere. I hate golf courses like that. People from three holes over hitting on your fairway. <laughs> they just take a drop, man. Oh, high school golf tournaments when I played in high school, there's just so many people out there and, and, and half of us are terrible. There's golf balls going everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on those, those, uh, runway type courses, those back and forth courses. Yeah, God, it's a wonder more people don't die. <laughs> yeah, well, humble it's game. amazing though how you can hit a couple of good shots in a roll and you're feeling pretty good. And then, and then just like it's, a, you know, a, a right angle from where you are. Mm-hmm. Like you think you'd have to work to do that. Right. You think you'd have to like, you'd, it's like a trick shot to be able to get to go completely sideways. Right. You could stand on a driving lane range for four hours trying to hit that shot and not be able to pull it off. <laughs> or, you know, I, I haven't done this in, in probably 40 years, but people who just, they're playing a pretty good round of golf. And then they just whiff. They just miss the ball. <laughs> right. I've been there. Yeah. Except for the pretty good round of the golf part. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's a humbling game, but it's 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 fascinating. It's a puzzle. I love golf. <laughs> I won't bore you. The the whiff thing is like um it's like You um, try to just play it off as a practice swing? Uh yeah, you can. That's it's cheating. But <laughs> of course if it's a friendly game, nobody cares. But uh yeah, that's it's a bad feeling. Like uh, how often will you whiff? Because you're a good golfer. It would have to be extraordinary. I mean, and I'm not bragging so, or anything. No, no, no. It's oh, not, no, no, that's no, not the point. Essentially, never. Okay, so you never do. No, I mean, it would have to be the ball is waist high on a steep hill, and I'm on my knees because I can't take a stance, and I have to use one hand. But not in a regular shop. You're no, not going. never. How never. Uh, do people that are good golfers uh, do they ever uh, like top the ball and it dribbles off a few feet? Does oh, yeah. That happen or or one expression. <laughs> That's my. I'd rather whiff than do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather whiff than the dribble it off the tee and it just goes. Like, oh, I, that happens a fair amount. 
Oh, or my favorite one, something I do, and you know, I'm, I'm a single digit handicap for, you know, people who know anything about golf, but, um, I'll lay the sod over it, as they say. You hit, you know, three inches behind it oh. and take up a, a piece of turf the size of a keeper trout. <laughs> I don't know. How and, does that really happen? It's only the earth that pro- propels the ball forward. <laughs> that will happen occasionally. It's just amazing. It's, it's similar to me of when you, you get in your car every single day, day after day after day, and then one day you get in and you just whack your head on the side. <laughs> and it's like, how, how? I get yeah. in the same car every day. How did I hit my head? It's the same thing with golf. I just hit 50 shots in a row. How did I now just come Completely missed the ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we had time, I would get into my carefully developed study of blood alcohol level and golf skill mm. and its uh, correlation and, and non-correlation, but we don't have time for that. The key is there's a sweet spot. <laughs> Short of that sweet spot, you're too tight. Past that sweet spot, you're too, uh, too loose. Be careful. <laughs> you're going to hurt somebody. Stand behind me. Yeah, exactly. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. China lying like rugs as they do about everything about the whole uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Donald Trump don't trust China. Well, he shouldn't. I got a couple of stories on that, and it reminded me. Well, first of all, on the whole coronavirus thing, my son got the regular old influenza. There's a type A and a type B. I didn't know any of this stuff before Thursday, by the way. Uh, when my son got the flu and then we were at the ER with 105 temperature and oh, I started reading gosh. up on it and everything yeah. like that. Poor lad. But there's a type A and a type B and he got the type A, which is either H1N1 or H3N5 or something. Hike. They haven't, uh, <laughs> they know it's type A. They haven't figured out that other part. Yeah. Um, uh, one's worse than the other. But anyway. Well, and there's, there's not a lot they can do, right? So it's. No. I no, mean, you, you have it for a long stay time with too, though. Fluids and just try to nurse you through it. So your high fever will last five days. Oh, oh, five oh, that's days. Rough. That's so rough. Yeah, and no medicine. I mean, he was 105 on Thursday, and he was still 103 on Saturday night. Oh my goodness, um, poor lad. Yeah, it's you, amazing. Like, cool cloths or something like. Like, a, I know there's nothing can Bands. take it away, but oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so the the regular old flu is horrible, and it kills thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Wherever you're listening, people in your town, your state are dying. By the dozens how many, of the regular old flu. How many children did you say have already died of the flu in the United States this year? As of Saturday morning, it was 54. Right. No, right. no, if 54 kids died of the coronavirus, I think we would, we would, we would cease to, uh, to function as a nation. Well, there would be a national panic. And which the flu is just is... strange. And listen, I'm not in favor of ignoring the coronavirus because it's new it appears to be fairly deadly nobody's immune to it and and we don't know how insane it could be but the flu is here and two years ago was it it killed 61,000 Americans 60,000 people Americans and you did you do you even know that no you didn't know that that's the flu I hear about it every year but you're doing a half hour news feature on the coronavirus that six people got in America and nobody's died wash your it's hands just, man it's just weird and if you got it do not go just stay home stay home you are so contagious yeah we we kind of kept Sam quarantined in the house so that the rest of us don't get it because it's it's a bad one he didn't eat anything for three days he tried a couple of times and threw up nonstop. so but just that's a bad thing to get is the flu but so the coronavirus in China, and this is what it reminded me of, because we talked about this some last week, is how it's, it's, it ain't no joke, Joe, as Joe Biden would say. Not a joke. The idea of China taking over the world, or at least becoming the global superpower that most countries um, come into their sphere 
and um, and kowtow to is bad in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. China is a bad country. They're an evil presence. China is asshole. The Chinese in Communist short, Party yes. is evil, and the more of the world that they control, you know, the worse for humanity. Mm-hmm. This is like the old us versus the Soviet Union. This is a global struggle for the future of mankind, whether we get to be free or not. See the coronavirus. China silenced doctors and focused on secrecy as the coronavirus first spread. One article I read in the New York Times about how their number one concern from the beginning was not uh, helping people, uh, curing people, anything like that. It was how do we get this information quieted down and keep it from getting out. Um, specifically with, let me find this other story about it, how they threatened this doctor and got him to um, to go along. As new coronavirus spread, China's old habits delayed the fight. At a critical turning points, Chinese authorities put secrecy on order ahead of openly confronting the growing crisis and risking public alarm or uh, political embarrassment. In the middle of the night, officials from the health authority in the central city of Wuhan summoned Dr. Li, demanding to know why he had shared information online that the coronavirus is out there. Three days later, the police compelled him to sign a statement that his warning constituted illegal behavior. Wow. Which, if you know anything about China, is really bad. Yeah. That's going to stop you from, uh, well, from living much of your life from, from here on, now that you've had that spanking by uh, the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And so he attempted to get the word out just locally that we got this traveling around. The police show up at his house and make him sign a confession. Wow. Of, uh, of, of going against the nation. Wow. That is scary. That that's that's who they are. Yeah. God, we gotta wake up to that. That is an evil, evil country. Now come on, and, China. And you know, so far it looks like the coronavirus. We're gonna be okay. But if 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 the great pandemic that's gonna wipe people out happens and starts in China, we're doomed. Well, that's the perfect place for it to start. We are doomed because yeah. they do not care. Yeah. Yeah. They do have the ability to shut down entire cities and not let anybody go anywhere. Quarantining a city is something we would not be very good about or good at in the United States. Thank God. Ken, if they're going to send the police to the home of a doctor um, over the coronavirus, the idea that they're not going to mishandle artificial intelligence or any of this CRISPR genetic stuff or any of that stuff, give me a break. Well, it's a society founded on, and, and absolutely everything you do is steeped in the idea of you must please the government. You must please your local government official, or they will have you jailed or stabbed or run out of your home or whatever. And they're frequently... You know, grasping, greedy, amoral bureaucrats, but everybody is terrified of them. Like this doctor guy who who thought, you know, I'll tell the truth to help out my countrymen. Well, he he got punished good and hard for that, or, and, well, or will be. I would guess, based on all the reading I've done about China, the only reason we know that the police went and talked to the doctor and he signed this thing is because... The Communist Party wanted us to know. They wanted that news out there to scare other doctors. Mm. If they had just wanted to punish him, he would have just disappeared and it would have made the news. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. They wanted to get information out to every other doctor in the country or anybody else in the media or anything else. Yeah. Hey, talking about this is not cool. Yeah. You want the police to show up at your house? Keep your mouth shut. And, and listen, this is not, uh, you know, this is not a, a frantic trying to scare you little bit of analysis, but... Socialism as a system depends on government control. You have to have everybody 
falling in line because if they're pursuing their self-interests in a free market way, it just uh, socialism doesn't work because it's an artificial system. You have to impose it and enforce it. People will not uh, pursue it naturally. And it really worries me the number of people who think Bernie is the answer and Bernie is the savior. And and if we can only impose a top-down system of government, everybody will have a utopia because you will find yourself uh, being told by many, many bureaucrats exactly how you want to live day to day. And it evolves. Nobody, nobody announces at the outset, uh, this is going to be oppressive. It just gets there. More fabulous intormation to come in, in just seconds. But first, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe from break-ins, fire, flooding, medical emergencies, whatever. Simply Safe is the best. You know what's cool is you can set the Simply Safe system up in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. And then the professionals take over. They're monitoring your home 24-7, ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. We're talking police, fire, or EMTs. Yeah, best monitors in the business, too. You are not compromising anything. The only thing that's less is, like, the price and complexity. This is a better system. Oh, and the fact that you're not locked into a long-term contract, which is pretty cool. So right now, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there is nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong for your free security camera today. No more porch pirates and no more randos on your doorstep. You don't know who they are. You'll see them. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Here's your wisdom-loving quote of the day. It's not exactly a freedom-loving quote of the day, but it was sent along by uh, Al Anonymous. Uh, well, he's, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us giving his name for that part, but he wrote some other things that were rather controversial. Anyway, it's from T.S. Eliot's play The Rock. Here at The Rock! Written in 1930. Smell what The Rock is cooking! Hmm, that's a good one. The Sean Connery Nicolas Cage movie? At The Rock. Exactly. Um, uh, It was written in 1934, Jack. And so the point he is trying to make is even more powerful today. And here is the point. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? That's a good one. It took me a couple. And uh, 1934 is pre-internet. He's talking about how sometimes... What they do all day. I don't know. Farm. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Meaning, sometimes we just, we know a lot, but we forget the simple truths that have always been, and or we're so inundated with information, we know a lot of stuff that is either useless or untrue. And that is, uh, please, T.S. Eliot, his head would explode, living in the uh, the current world. What's the uh, knowledge is that tomato is a fruit, wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Exactly. Uh-huh. Ooh, that's well neat. said. Again, that's from T.S. Eliot Again, as well. you are the king of that sort of thing. Yes. Oh, we man. all have our gifts. Well, Jack, back to the information overload. I long for simplicity. I long for beauty. Uh, and, and I find that the beautiful, gentle art of the Japanese haiku brings me what I'm looking for. Oh, boy. It's, Jack, it's the, the five syllables, the seven, then the five. That makes it entertaining for six-year-olds and no one else. That's probably racism. I crave structure. This is perfect for me. Thank you, Sean. <clears throat> Lover of the arts, Sean. Quest. Oh, I'm sorry. It's another impeachment haiku from Tim, and I would suggest it is the final impeachment haiku from Tim. Questions completed. Senate split on witnesses. Trump gets acquitted. Mm. 
Mm. Mm. That is actually all you need to know that, yeah, that, in that's... 17 syllables. Or you could turn on CNN and listen to him drone on with just the height of stupidity and boringness for the next 10 hours. It's pretty interesting you could sum up everything that happened in that amount of time. Yeah. I just indeed. got myself a second helping of cheese dip, so my speaking should become slower and slurred mm, Good in the next hour. It's really good this year. It's, yeah, this, it is an ex- excellent year for the cheese dip. Oh. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm working with hogs. <laughs> I might as well be a hog farmer. Uh, speaking of animals, we were discussing yesterday. Uh, what was the uh, what state was it that was uh, trying to come up with a definition of milk? Do you remember Wisconsin? I th- yeah, I think it was Wisconsin um, that said it is the uh, lacteal secretions from a hooved animal to keep not people from calling soy milk almond milk, soy milk. Right? It's not milk. Marissa in Phoenix says, "I lactate, Joe. Does that make me a hoofed animal?" Well, wow. I've, I've never seen your feet, Marissa, but I assume no. I've, but, I've never seen your feet. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Armstrong and Getty.